The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good morning and welcome to our Dharma practice day. <clears throat> the theme for today is wisdom and it follows in a series of uh, days on, uh, on uh, 10 qualities or virtues that uh, the Buddhist tradition holds up as being very supportive of practice, very supportive of a wise way of living in the world. And it happens to be that today's quality is wisdom. And um, these Dharma practice days like today are meant to be days where we engage in some uh, topic related to the Buddhist practice and spend the day kind of focused on a particular theme, a particular quality uh, in a variety of different ways. A little bit in meditation, maybe guided meditations, reflections during meditation. A little bit of teaching, uh, maybe a chance for discussion uh, with me, but also a way of being in conversation with each other uh, to be able to explore among yourselves and with yourself uh, how um, the value of these topics, how they work for you, your relationship to them, how they might apply in your life. With the idea that uh, sometimes being, uh, being in conversation with other people and hearing yourself speak, letting something coming out of you, you, uh, you discover things about yourself and about uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And it allows sometimes when you hear yourself speak or say something, it allows you kind of to build on that or go further. It also gives you a chance to hear what other people think and uh, other people's ideas and, um, and learn from other people and their experience with the same, same topic, their questions, their reflections on it. And historically, uh, down through the centuries, a lot of uh, ways that people grow in Buddhist practice has been in community. And uh, like in monasteries, the monastics would often have chance to talk. They meditate and hear teachings, and then they talk about the Dharma in various ways. In fact, I met, um, uh, when I first went to Thailand many years ago, I met a monk who um, the only thing he would talk about with people was about the practice. I thought it was a little bit maybe too narrow. But, uh, but uh, there is some idea that the only thing, you know, that you really want to focus on the, in the monastery, just talking about your practice, how it's going, the wisdom, the teachings and all that. So it kind of becomes kind of the, the momentum of your mind, the inclinations of your mind, and that's what grows and develops for you. So we do that a little bit here, uh, these Dharma practice days, exploring the uh, practice in community by having chance to being sometimes in discussion with one other person, sometimes in small groups, variety of different formats. Um, we'll, um, you know, take a break mid-morning soon, relatively soon, and then um, and and then uh, have lunch, and then take a break in mid-afternoon, and continue until three thirty. And. Um, um, So that's kind of the basic idea for today. Now these uh, 
what's called the paramis, these virtues. Sometimes they're called in English perfections. Um, but th- that implies, and uh, it's a little bit problematic for a lot of people here in English-speaking worlds to call them perfections, because then you think you have to be perfect. And, um, and some of you, it has occurred to you perhaps that maybe it's hard to be perfect. And so it's a little bit, you know, challenging to use the word perfection. The, the word uh, uh, maybe more literally means ultimate or highest, uh, that which is highest. So I don't know if we need to be perfect, but it's the highest values, the highest qualities of heart, qualities of mind that we're tapping into or calling forth or recognizing or appreciating. And these, um, and they're the highest qualities for certain purposes. They're the highest qualities for becoming free. So the heart becomes free. They're the highest qualities for the purposes of living a compassionate life. And in fact, the tradition emphasizes that uh, these 10 qualities become the highest when they're uh, joined, when they're bo- they serve two purposes, the purposes of setting us free spiritually and living a compassionate life. And uh, so the first quality that we did a few months ago is generosity. And many people are generous in wonderful ways. Uh, how it becomes the highest uh, for the purpose of f- freedom and compassion is if the, the generosity is done in such a way that it free, frees the heart. So done in such a way that it kind of gives us spiritual liberation as we do it. It's possible to be generous and, uh, and have no greater freedom because of it. Um, you know, I've given sometimes and afterwards, oh, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> then there's not much freedom inside. Or I might have done, you know, kind of given in a miserly way, like, oh, I guess I should give. And, you know, that doesn't really do me good. Oh, you know, here. <laughs> but, if it's, but to give in an you know, open-handed, generous way and say, here, please, then there's a kind of lightning and opening that goes on. I've also given in ways that maybe wasn't so compassionate. I wasn't understanding the circumstances of the person, maybe overindulged them or something, or... Maybe what they needed to learn was how to take care of themselves and I went and helped them in a time when they were better off. They were poised to kind of learn how to take care of themselves. And I, in my great sense of you know, care, gave too much. The more compassionate thing might have been to, you know, got out of the way and let them kind of find their own way. Or maybe the more compassionate thing is, you know, the famous idea that it's better to teach someone how to farm than it is to give them dinner. Uh, because dinner is less for you know, a few hours farming, they can learn to take, have food for a long time. So this idea, sometimes you want to be very careful. So what's the most compassionate way of supporting people um, is a part of this, these, these highest so freedom and compassion. So um, we ta- we've covered um, uh, compassion. We've done, I mean, not compassion, uh, generosity and ethics and renunciation. And today we do wisdom. And um, it's kind of interesting that wisdom is the fourth in this step. Um, maybe there's something about cultivating generosity, an ethical life, and the ability to let go that gives us a, a good vantage point for wisdom to operate, to become wise. 
maybe we need a reference point for becoming wise. Without some kind of reference point, you know, just, it just becomes too abstract or too vague what wisdom is. So this sets the, the earlier one set the ground for it. So this word wisdom um, is a big word and I think it uh, becomes a little bit simpler in the Buddhist context if we understand it as wisdom for a purpose. Wisdom for a purpose. Or in good American, we might say pragmatic wisdom. But the idea that, um, so that means, that implies we have some sense of a purpose. And the, whatever the purpose is, that becomes the reference point around which we can organize our understanding, our, our, our explorations, our discernment, our, um, you know, so, but if you don't, if it's all very vague, that you, have, you should be wise, uh, it's kind of hard to know what wise in which way, you know, how, what does that mean? But if you, if, you, if you specify the purpose, then we can get organized around it and explore and consider what it is. And so uh, ultimately in Buddhism, the wisdom has to do with um, uh, wisdom that's freeing, that's liberating, spiritually liberating. Um, and then along the way, there's wisdom about the particular steps to uh, freedom and liberation. And, um, and so it might be the uh, wisdom about how to stay present, be in the present moment. So what wisdom do you have about really staying present, not getting lost in the past or the future? What understanding? Uh, wisdom like we did in the meditation, wisdom around being peaceful or calm. If the purpose of meditation is to become calm and peaceful, what wisdom can you call upon that helps support that process? Uh, in a way, you know, so, and then you use, utilize that and kind of engage it, engage it. So perhaps you can become more uh, calm and peaceful. The, um, an interesting word that some people prefer to wisdom is dis- discernment, to be discerning, to have discernment. And um, in my mind, the, one of the kind of differences between those two words is wisdom is kind of a big word. And it's kind of a vague word, what it actually means. And for some people, it implies knowledge more than anything else. Like if you, it's, you know, if you, if you learn something, just give me the wisdom that I need to have, X, Y, Z, and then I'll take that with me and apply it in my life, just a certain knowledge. Whereas discernment means that uh, you have the ability to be discerning in different contexts where you're at. So you can be able to enter into a situation and study it, explore it, get to know it, and be discerning. Oh, in this situation, uh, it's better if I, you know, step back and watch for a while. In this situation, it's better that I step forward and engage with what's going on more closely. In this situation, I, you know, I better use this kind of tool. In that kind of situation, I need that kind of tool. In this situation, maybe I need to, what I need to cultivate is compassion or kindness. In a different situation, what I need to cultivate is equanimity and patience. So you kind of, kind of might be discerning. And also part of discernment in Buddhist in mindfulness practice is to be discerning about where your attention should go. If someone tells you it's wise to focus on your breathing, to have mindfulness of breathing, uh, that can be a very true statement. It's wonderful to stay with the breath, focus on the breath. But it's not the universal, it's not the only thing you're supposed to ever focus on in your life. Uh, 
<clears throat> and so at different times, to have a discernment to know where your attention should be. Sometimes when it's personal attention, uh, it's, more, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, more discerning, more wise to bring attention to your emotional life. Sometimes it's more <clears throat> wise to bring attention to your cognitive life and your thoughts. Sometimes it's more wise to focus on your body. Sometimes it's a wiser to focus on the sounds around you. Sometimes it's wiser to focus on the people around you than yourself. So dis- wisdom as a form of discernment means you're kind of exploring and determining in the situation what is the wise thing to do <clears throat> as opposed to have like a one policy wisdom that you know fits all or something. And uh, so wisdom for a purpose, wisdom for the purpose of walking the Buddhist path is the central purpose of Buddhist wisdom. And, uh, and then to be clear what, you know, so you have to have a clear sense of the goal, clear sense of a purpose is very helpful for, for practice. If, you have, if you're very vague about the purpose, then you cannot uh, call upon your own capacity for wisdom and discernment as well. <clears throat> and some people come to Buddhism and um, they, you know, they just have a very intuitive feeling at first, this is a good idea, if it feels good and feels right, and um, and so maybe it is for a while, but they don't have they're not very clear about what the purpose is, and that's fine for some time, but at some point it really helps to have clarity, and the greater the clarity, the greater the easier it is to become discerning or be to you know to have wisdom for the purpose of that clarity that we have. Does that make sense? So before we take a break, I would love to hear from some of you. Uh, what that was like in that meditation to call upon your wisdom, tap into wisdom to uh, support you in being calm and peaceful. How did that go? Did, what kind of wisdom did you call upon? What was it like to have that as kind of the instruction uh, as you did the last part of the meditation? <clears throat> Please. <clears throat> I realized I didn't know what wisdom is, and maybe you clarified it. Like I had the thought, I can't do anything about anything except right here and now, so I'll pay attention to my breath. And I thought of that, that's just a thought. I don't know if it's wisdom or discernment. Um, So the question is, whatever you did, that helped you get calmer and more peaceful? Yes. Maybe then that's enough. You don't have to know whether it's wisdom or discernment. Or so, so can you say a little bit more about how it was helpful in helping you become? Well, I was a little calm beforehand, but I found my mind kept going. Uh-huh. I heard a lot of sirens when I was arriving here, and uh-huh. I was worried about it and that kind of thing. And I said, well, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I see. And so that helped you kind of then enter into the moment more fully. And that made you more peaceful to settle in here. Yes. Great. Right? Yeah. So that's great. So uh, uh, wonderful. And that that was like a one-time discernment des- decision. Were you able to kind of keep exploring uh, the, your meditation from the point of view of wisdom? Keep it up for the those fifteen minutes. Bring in more wisdom. And no, I just figured I didn't know what wisdom was, and I just was breathing. I see. So maybe it was wise to know you didn't know what wisdom is. 
so you didn't have to worry about it anymore, get agitated. <laughs> right. So it's getting more peaceful that way. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Okay. So gonna, yes, Gail. Um, my name's Gail. Um, this is very related, I think. Um, uh, it, at first, I noticed that my heart was beating kind of um, excitedly. And I thought, well, now, is this calm? Uh, this isn't as calm as it should be. And then I noticed how I was um, visualizing the goal as looking a certain way and sort of let let my conclusion about that not being calm go a little bit. And uh, um, uh, I, I kind of told myself something that I've heard you say um, nothing to do there's nothing to do and and that kind of helped me um, just relax into um, seeing what was there mm-hmm. rather than what I wanted to be there mm-hmm. uh, and and what what came was um, definitely a little bit more calm uh, and also um, trusting more that wisdom is and calm there's something there are things that can emerge um, rather than things that I create Mm, nice so you had the judgment about what was supposed to happen and you saw the judgment and you were able to put that aside and that was an act of wisdom to see that see the hindrance of that created and then let go of that and then you settle in to be more here in a calmer way. That's great. Okay. Thank you. My name's Michael and um, this is my first time here although I've been listening to you for four years. Uh Welcome. (laughs) And I came from the East Coast this weekend just to be here for three Mm. or four days because I'm engaging a struggle in my own life around uh, the difficulty in accepting the divisiveness in, mm-hmm. our, in our world and in our country yes. and in myself. Mm-hmm. And um, in 15 minutes, I think I got what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I noticed when you said to notice where there was calm and not calm in your body, I could feel certain parts where there was calmness. And I could feel some parts where there was chaos. And... For some reason, I, I accepted that. It was just how it was. And as soon as I accepted that, I went into a much deeper sense of meditation mm. and, a, and an overall calmness. And I guess part of what I got from that is the wisdom that I need for myself is to accept the chaos and the calm uh-huh. and to translate that into the world. Mm. in how to be wise in the world at this time uh-huh. is probably greater acceptance for both the chaos mm. and the calm. And something different can arise in that, through that kind of acceptance than staying in the struggle. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. morning. My name is Ed. Uh, what I noticed uh, was as soon as you started talking and mentioned calm and being wise and wisdom, 
uh, without even thinking, like something just kicked in and um, just totally changed my, my meditation, like fidgeting, my sitting right on my bench, on and on, it just, it just went. It's just something that I heard, mm -hmm. I guess remembered or something like that. And uh, yeah, and that was it. it so was just like, even, even hearing the words calmness and peacefulness evoke something or help you touch into something or connect to something. That's, that's with, with, with actually saying, you know, let's be smart about, uh -huh. you know, what we're doing oh. right now and uh, what's going to uh, get you in a place where you want to where you want to be. Nice. So, for, so if I understand you then, what you said so far, is that just simply the idea that uh, you can be smart, you can be wise about this purpose, was enough to calm you down. Yeah. It was reassuring, some kind of deep reassurance. Yeah, plus like I felt like it, it woke something up, like, oh yeah, you know the direction, uh, what ah. are you even doing? Ah. That's great. So wisdom means that we're relying on ourselves in, the, some, in ourselves in some important way. So trusting yourself, knowing we can do it, uh, and remembering that engaged you in a way that then before you were just kind of like a victim of circumstances. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Mary. Uh, my name is Mary. Um, uh, I've had a lot of trouble understanding what wisdom is, and to me, it was not reachable. I think because I thought of it as the wise people write beautiful poetry, the wise people write wonderful, lofty thoughts and insights into life and the world. Uh -huh. And I love reading all of that, but I can't, I haven't, up to now, I haven't been able to produce that kind of what I narrowly defined as wisdom. And so when you gave us the word discernment, it was a great relief. It was a great relief because um, discernment, I can sort of, I think I can do that. Mm. I don't have to be this deep, wonderful person that pours forth with beautiful language in, in a situation to inspire people. You know, it's just like, okay, what am I going to do now? Uh -huh. And so it's a great relief. Um, I really appreciate when you re-give us a new word for these paramis because they're quite formidable for me. At first glance, it's like, holy moly, I, none of these are attainable. But then when you give us another word for them, it's just, whew, it, it's really really helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was nice to hear that. And there was a lot of discernment in what you just said. Very clear differentiation, clear distinctions, clear discernment, finding your way. So um, uh, I won't, since I don't want to shock you too much, I won't say there was a lot of wisdom what you said. <laughs> we, we, we won't go that far, but... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stand the blow. Yeah, I'd say, no, 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 that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of discernment. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much for that. So, um, so that's the topic for today, and we'll explore it in different ways. And, uh, 
And so we'll take a break uh, and then I'll come back in maybe 15 minutes or quarter to 10 and I'll give a little a short little discussion talk about um, the three forms of wisdom that Buddhism um, champions and then we'll uh, take uh, do some exercise to um, engage all three of those in a nice contemplative way, I hope. So let's take a break and you're welcome to talk and chat during this time. And if you're new, if you're new to IMC, a couple of things. Uh, there is uh, bathrooms in the back there you're welcome to use. There's also a kitchen. If you have brought a lunch and you want to keep it in a refrigerator, you're welcome to. And there's also a, a hot water dispenser on the counter there. And there's uh, paper cups and there's also um, lots of teas in the drawer underneath, underneath the counter there. So help yourself with tea if you'd like. <laughs> 